Welcome to the Paranormal Pendle podcast, coming to you from the heart of Pendle Witch Country in the northwest of England. My name is Craig Bryant, author, investigator, and collector of stories. Join me as we take a journey into the paranormal, UFO sightings, cryptozoology, and big cats. This is the Paranormal Pendle podcast. Welcome to episode 12 of Paranormal Pendle. This episode is an interview that I did with Ruth O'Reilly from a community radio station in Manchester called All FM. I hope you enjoy it. Hi Craig, welcome to All FM. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me on again. Oh, it's great to have you back on the show. We first had you on the show just around about a year ago, exactly, I think. Um, and we had lots of listeners who were interested in your spooky tales from the, the Shadow Man of Accrington. So it would be a great time to get you back on. The nights are drawing in. We're starting to turn our thoughts to spooky things like uh, Halloween and stuff. So, yeah, do you want to tell us a little bit of a recap about what's been going on for you in the past couple of months because I know that you have actually expanded from your book into now making your book a, a podcast. Yeah so what I've done is I've, I've actually started writing um, a second book which I'm hoping is going to be uh, out by Christmas. Oh brilliant. Um, I've basically just been spending the last sort of 12 months um, during lockdown, um, apart from working from home like most people have, mm-hmm. um, actually uh, collecting as many uh, news stories as, as I possibly can. Um, and I've also uh, started my own podcast, which is called the Paranormal Pendle Podcast. Brilliant. Um, all those so, P's. <laughs> Great illustration. Yeah, it's, it's the 3P podcast, as my son calls it. Brilliant. Um, so that's quite easy to remember. So, so yeah, so I've actually, uh, that's one of the reasons why the book's taking longer than I expected, because I also started speaking to some really interesting people. Yes. Um, I've been trying to keep it as local as possible, although um, obviously, you know, sometimes you have to sort of spread your net a bit wider. I've just spoken to, uh, to a guy actually from Edinburgh. Um, and I'm just in the process of um, of uh, editing that podcast, and hopefully that that should be um, should be up and running by the by the weekend. Oh, uh, so he had some some great stories, um, body snatches, and, and all sorts of stuff. So so yeah, it's um, it's been a, a very busy twelve months. Um, the more people I speak to, the more stories uh, I get. Yeah. Um, and the more stories I get, the the further I seem to be behind in writing the book. <laughs> Never mind, uh, I think you've been very productive <laughs> all the time. <laughs> there, is, there, is, there is more stuff to go in the book, you see, so I can't, I can't sort of keep up with it at the minute. That's excellent. I mean, I think we should explain to the listeners that you are Lancashire born and bred, and obviously yeah. like, some really mag- something really magical um, about Lancashire, because you've got all these beautifully preserved mm. historical halls and countryside right. spaces, and so it, it really is like the, the past is naturally resonating back into the present. Is that why you find that there's so much paranormal activity in Lancashire? Um, yeah, I, th- I think it's it's a mixture of, of the landscape. I think obviously, I mean, we, I'm, I do live. I'm very lucky. I, I live out in the countryside. I, I live very close to Pendle Hill, which oh, wow, okay. um, you know we, we sort of mentioned on the last time we spoke. Um, and briefly spoke about the Pendle Witches. So mm. it's something that I've, I've sort of grown up with um, all my life. And as I say, I'm very lucky, really. It's it's a really nice part of the country. Um, 
but we, we do have a lot of, of very old um, buildings, a lot of old state homes. There's a lot of folklore, um, a lot of legends, um, and, and just uh, the area just seems to to sort of feel very spiritual and, right. and, and very, it almost crackles, if you like, with, with paranormal activity. And it's amazing that, that even in, in the, the village where I live, there are any number of uh, people who come up to me because I'm, I'm starting to get quite well known in the in the local area oh, of now. Of course, being, with your book, you know, a, yeah. A, a paranormal investigator, as it were. And, uh, because I, you know, I've been doing podcasts with other people as well, and I still do radio interviews such as yourself and and some national radio as well. So, um, you know, people come up to me and, and and they start telling me stories. And and in fact, my next podcast is going to be a lady who lives in the village. Um, she actually lives in a shop in the village, which is is haunted. I had no idea that the shop was haunted. Oh, that's amazing. But, okay. Yeah, but she she's also. Um, a, a remote viewer, which is something that I don't really know an awful lot about. Oh, I'm absolutely um, fascinated about remote viewing. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm gonna obviously, you know, I'm, I'm hopefully gonna learn quite a lot from from her about that. Um, she was involved in the um, uh, oh, there was there was an earthquake in Erevan. Which which one was it? The oh, do you know what? I can't, I can't remember now. Was it the Bali earthquake? Oh, right. Okay, um, yeah. In in about yeah. 20, in 2002 or 2004 or something. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so, yeah, so she, she was involved um, in that and um, helping to find people remotely, which uh, I think is an incredibly fascinating subject. But as I say, I don't really know a lot about it. But the point I'm trying to get to in a, in a roundabout manner is that, you know, the more people I speak to, the more people who know that, um, I'm interested in these sort of things and I collect these stories, um, the more people sort of come up to me and talk to me and, and, and you know, tell me things that, that you would never have believed um, sort of went on, you know. I bet you find that's a very privileged position because, you know, sometimes stuff about, like, hauntings and spooky stuff, it's still got a type of a stigma to it, doesn't it? You know, it's like, oh, I'm not sure they want to feel that. Yeah, yeah, it can do. But I think, I mean, there's so much now on, on TV, for instance, there's so, much, there's so many YouTube channels yes. um, and there's so many podcasts that, um, you know, on the positive side, it, it's... It's making more people aware that, that things like this go on. The problem, that, that unfortunately, is is that there is still, it, I call it paranormal for profit, and basically right, yeah. it's it's the old, um, you know, TV program where they go into a haunted location yeah, and course. they turn the, and they turn the lights off and then they start screaming. <laughs> the thing about the thing about paranormal investigators is that you know ghosts will not. Um, perform to, to order, you know, you you, you can go to a to a haunted lock or, or an alleged haunted location, mm -hmm. and you and you could go there any number of times and nothing would happen, and then you may go one time where something does happen. So, although there's the you know the the public perception now of, of paranormal investigations and ghosts and UFOs and all that sort of stuff is different because there's so much stuff out there. They sometimes have the wrong um, image of, of what it's actually like. A lot yes. of the times, you know, the, the things that are on TV and on YouTube and, and everything else are just purely there for entertainment purposes. 
And one of the things that, that annoys me is when you go on to, um, I mean, social media, for instance, again, you know, Facebook, mm. Twitter. I've got a Facebook account. I've got a Twitter account, which are both linked to the, to the, to the writing that I do on the podcast because you have to do it to get yourself out there. Yes. But, and we must you know, mention I'm... your details to, to yeah, people sure. later on. Um, one of the things I was going to say is do you mm. find that all this, um, cheesy, stereotypical, spooky stuff is mainly coming from the States? A lot of it was, to be honest, but I think we are catching up quite quickly. Right. Um, I tend to, you know, I see a lot of stuff on social media where, you know, there are adverts for, you know, um, going on a ghost hunt that, 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 I don't know, you know, yeah. Sam's been all or whatever, um, you know, £45 per person. I think, and it's that that annoys me because, you know, there are people who genuinely do want to get into the paranormal, mm -hmm. but there are better ways of doing it than spending lots and lots of money going on a sort of, you know, an inverted commas, a ghost evening, where you're highly unlikely to either see or hear anything. You know, you're going to be locked in a, in a room and somebody's going to turn the lights off and somebody's going to start screaming and somebody's going to say, did you hear that being thrown <laughs> against a wall and, and yeah. all that sort of stuff. Very predictable. And, and, yeah, very predictable. And so unfortunately, I, I do think that whilst it's good that there's, there's a lot of stuff out there now and the stigma isn't what it was, mm -hmm. I also think that there's a lot of people being taken advantage of. So, um, you know, you've just got to be very careful sort of what you get involved in, who you believe. I mean, at the end of the day, I think probably one of the best places for people to start if, if they want to know a little bit more about the subject is probably podcasts, because sure. the vast, major, vast majority of them are free. Um, you know, you go on to iTunes or whatever and just, you know, just go searching for paranormal or ghosts or whatever, and there will literally be hundreds. And yeah. they're free, you know. And that's they're more in-depth in as well, aren't they? You know, you're yeah, they are, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they tend to be people that are a little bit more serious about the subject. Um, and, um, you know, whilst you can have a little bit of fun with it, and, and I, you know, I certainly do with, with my podcast, um, I think it gives you a more rounded, balanced view of, of things rather than, you know, turning up at a, an old house or an old abandoned hospital and yes. people telling you, you know, we will definitely see a ghost tonight, you know, give me 50 quid and we'll see a ghost. And that, that's what it boils down to, you know, so, so that sort of thing irks me a little bit, to be honest. But I think, you know, your good um, publicity, you are bringing a good face to the subject. But one of the things that I wanted to ask you, um, Craig, was mm. were you someone that started out as a sceptic or because you grew up in this Lancashire area, it was just kind of like ingrained into your way of being from a very early age? Oh, that place over there is a bit haunted and it just kind of got in under yeah. your skin? Or were you someone yeah. that's kind of like sceptical? Because I know that you did have um, a couple of experiences because you actually mm. um, recorded a piece from your book that went into sort of the yeah. detail about that. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think it's something that I've always grown up with. Um, uh, my my granddad was was very good at telling stories, um, and when I was when I was a uh, um, younger, um, and he was alive, he used to tell me lots of lots of ghost stories and local legends. Um, he lived in a, a very typical East Lancashire two up two down terrace house and, and back in the, I mean I was born in the mid 60s so when I was growing up in the early 70s it, it, it still had a range in the in the back room of the house, oh, you know, wow, the, okay. the, 
the cast iron ranges and we used to sit in front of the range especially you know cold lancashire winters um you should sit in front of the range with toasting forks making toast oh really sets the scene doesn't it (laughs) yeah yeah, i can can still remember it now and he will be telling me stories um when i think about it now you know telling a seven eight nine year old uh little boy you know ghost stories and and what have you was probably a bit (laughs) i'm surprised that i I actually slept at night (laughs) but it's it's because we sort of it's because i sort of grew up in that environment i've always been interested in ghosts i've always been because we because i lived in in accrington um i grew up and and, and you know lived in accrington until i was in the sort of mid 30s mm-hmm. um we were only sort of 10 15 miles away from pendle hill and we used to drive past pendle hill all the time when we went for days out you know when i was in in my parents car yeah. and my grandparents car um and every halloween was was very special for mm. us you know i used to dress up and uh, we didn't have pumpkins in those days we used to spend three days hollering out to turn it right um yeah. <laughs> but um but yeah i mean you know halloween was always something that, that was a little bit special it wasn't as commercialized as it is now um but it was still something that sort of marked really maybe the end of summer and the beginning of winter really mm. um you and kind of nights. got the traditional side of yeah. things more so, didn't you? That time you yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The nights, yeah, the nights drawing in, and um, you know, there's. I mean, you know, Halloween itself is interesting because there's a lot of folklore around, you know, why people do things that they do on Halloween. Right. Um, yeah. But but yeah, I mean, I, I, and and then as I sort of grew up, um, I sort of lost touch a little bit with it when I got into my teenage years, and then it was only um really when i had an experience in in my very late teens i think about 19 i think at the time i had an experience which um sort of reignited the the interest um but it's only really been the last sort of couple of years where i have made a conscious effort to actually sit down and start you know cataloging all these stories that mm-hmm. uh, that people have told me and the experiences that i've had so i've carried them with me all these years I suddenly had this realization that I had so many stories that I thought, well, you know, I really do need to get them down in a book, even right. if nobody buys it. At least yeah. it's in a book because at least they're all there you know, together at last. At, at least they're all there together, and then from there, it's it's sort of grown really. And I guess your experiences of hearing those local stories from your granddad that kind of enabled you to be a bit more open-minded say to what was actually out there but um yeah i'm just kind of thinking in terms of the stories that you did get Mm. did a lot of them kind of overlap on on each other yeah they did it's interesting to mention that and and just before i tell you about one particular story that is actually i think it's 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 a really good story Um, and it's something that i remember you know people talking about when I was when I was growing up in in, in Accrington, mm. um, I, I I'm actually probably quite a quite a strong skeptic. Um, mm. I did kind know, of I, feel that you were a skeptic. That's why I asked you that. Yeah, yeah. I do. You I, like no you know, nonsense of this, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I I can usually tell when somebody's telling me the truth or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, if somebody's embellishing the truth, um, I can I can usually I can usually pick up on it. Um, but in a similar fashion, I can, I can use, pretty quickly tell when somebody's being, um, 
honest and being straight up with me when they're telling me something. Um, good example of that, we have two pubs uh, in the village where I live. A mm-hmm. uh, couple, couple of weeks ago, um, myself and my wife were in there one Friday evening just having a couple of drinks, and I started talking to the landlady. And the place is haunted. They've had poltergeist activity. So, again, this is she's somebody that I need to go and talk to again at some point. Um, but I could tell that she was being genuine. You know, it wasn't... It wasn't a marketing ploy to get more people through oh, the door. Do you know what I mean? I could, yeah, I, yeah. I could tell she was being genuine. So, um, And again, I, one of the podcast episodes I did, I spoke to um, a lady called Diane, who is a medium uh, from Clitheroe, um, and she'd done some investigations into Accrington. This is one of the reasons why I wanted to speak to her, um, because I'd, I'd started to, to pick up stories from various places, not only from... Uh, people I've spoken to, but also from people who started emailing me mm. uh, because they'd either heard me on the radio or uh, they'd picked up on my podcast um, or they'd seen my website. So they started emailing me, and I had quite a few, and it was almost like putting a big jigsaw together. Um, so uh, many, many years ago, the, the, the show Man of Accrington, which is the, um, the, you know, the, the title of the, the first book I wrote, yeah. was an experience that I had with, with what people call a shadow man. Mm. And, it, and it was when I was working at the, um, it used to be the, the Conservative Club, um, and we won't get into politics. The reason I was I was working there was because my dad used to go down there and play snooker with him when, when he was alive, and he got me a job working behind the bar when I was at college. Yeah. So, um, a job is a job, isn't it, at that age? Exactly, it was just being money, really. Um, and plus, you know, drink, drink all you can while you're working. Yeah, oh, oh yeah. But, you know, anyway, um, we'll go to that. Um, unfortunately, the building's um, demolished now. It, it, it actually, um, uh, well, it was the victim of arson, really. It burnt right. down a number of years ago. Um, but it was, I mean, it's a shame. It was such a magnificent building, you know, it was very gothic. Um, built oh, in about wow. 18, 1890, um, really magnificent building, uh, lots and lots of history, steeped in history. Yeah. Um, and I saw this figure um, when I was working there one night down, down one of the bars. I saw this figure that was, um, it, was a, it, it wasn't a full, it didn't look like, a, you know, but I couldn't see the face, let's put it that way. Right. It was just a shadow. Oh, it, it, yeah. it was it was like a black shadow, I, you know, but quite a um, a substantial shadow. If you know what I mean. So I could yeah. see through it. It was like a, just like a, the outline of a person, but black. Mm. Um, very tall, very thin, with a hat. Um, and when you look at reports, it, it, this phenomenon now is called shadow man or shadow people. Right. Um, and if you Google it, you know, there's a lot comes up for people with podcasts about them. Uh, but back 30-odd years ago, which is when this was, um, it wasn't a phenomenon that was particularly well uh, understood or, or it, you know, people who saw these these types of things just thought they were ghosts. And they may be. Nobody really knows what they are. And it was actually, it was an American uh, guy who, who used to do... Um, uh, a talk radio show he called Art Bell, who's, who's oh, passed yes. away now, but, but he was really into all this stuff. And he was the one that coined the term Shadow Man. So, he, so anyway, I've, I've been listening to a podcast, you say, a few uh, a few years ago, and about Shadow People and Shadow Man, Shadow People. And this is what sparked the, the you know, the memory of, of what I saw and started putting two and two together. So anyway, 
going back to, to recent um, interviews that I've done, so I spoke to, to Diane, who's a medium, and she was involved in um, an investigation on um, Warner Street, Beckerington. Now, Warner Street was um, built in about the mid-19th century, and it's, it's basically got shops all the way up both sides. Mm. Um, and actually, it was 1821 it was built, so let's have a look at, look at my notes now. Um, she'd, she was, she's part of a, an investigation group from Cliveron. She claims to have uh, mediumship powers. Mm -hmm. um, and she was asked to investigate some uh, poltergeist activity that was going on in one of the shops. Now, the interesting thing about Warren Street is that when I was growing up in Accrington, everybody knew that Warren Street was haunted. Or oh, that was what you know. That was what people would say. The whole was, street, not just one building. <laughs> well, maybe ah. I, you know people just used to say that that Warner Street's haunted, or you yeah. know there are shops on Warner Street that are haunted. Uh -huh. um, now she, as as I said, she was asked to go into a shop that had quite a lot of poltergeist activity, um, and both herself and her husband um, both have mediumship um, abilities. So so she told me mm -hmm. um, and when they went into the shop um, there was a, a flight of stairs going up into a, a room at, uh, at the back of the shop and her husband got to the top of the stairs and, and he was physically pushed back down the stairs by something oh wow okay. um, now she uh, Diane started to get this uh, name through which was Josiah now she didn't say that she heard the name, but it, it sort of came to her in the way. I, I mean, I'm not a medium, so mm -hmm. I don't really understand how um, how it works. You know, if if you have a um, you know sort of connection with um, the spirit world or or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, again, I'm being a bit sceptical because I, I don't I don't know either way. Isn't it, Josiah? It's well, not it like is. a name that would just pop into your head. You know. No, <laughs> no, ex not exactly, and. Um, she said she described him as being very tall, very thin, okay. with a hat. With a hat. Now the other, the other interesting thing was that she also got the name Christopher, mm. and she said that she could see a little boy. She could actually physically see a little boy, go to the little boy, and this little boy ran past her in the shop, out to the front of the shop, and across Warren Street, into a shop opposite. And she says as he ran past. She said she noticed that his hands were covered in blood, and he and he was shouting, "It wasn't me! It wasn't me! I didn't do it." Now, I've done some research, and I basically just googled Warner Street um, murder because I thought that's that's the first thing. Mm. And it turns out that in 1896 there was actually um, a murder, and it was a lady called Sarah Courts. Now. The Christopher is somebody called Christopher Hindle, and he was 15 at the time, and he actually worked for, he was a cabinet maker, and he worked for Sarah Court's uh, husband. Now, he had a shop across the road from a shop that Sarah Court's had, so they basically had two shops. Oh, one was a cabinet maker, and the other one, I'm not, I couldn't get any details of what, what Sarah Court's shop was. But, turns out that, um, he, Christopher Hindle, in 1896, burst into the to the cabinet maker's shop, blood on his hands, and he sh he's shouting that something's happened to, to Sarah, to um, her husband. 
So of course he drops everything, runs across the road, goes in there, and they find her dead on the floor with stab wounds. Now, Christopher Hindle was initially um, arrested, and although he protested his innocence, um, they sort of, you know, basically, basically um, convicted him Answered of that, okay. um, murder, or, or they tried him for murder. But the interesting thing with this one is that he was actually tried at, um, at Lancaster uh, Castle, because I, I don't know whether you're aware or not, but there was the, the main court, the main assizes court for Lancashire, right up until the mid um, sort of 20th century, really, it was uh, Lancaster Castle. And there is still um, a court in there, there's about two courtrooms in there, that are still working. Um, and there's all sorts of, of famous cases gone through there, including the Pendle Witches. They were tried. And, I was going to say, was it the Pendle? Because I think that's the only time I yeah. heard of it, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in fact, actually, Lancaster Castle is now open to the public again. So if anybody wants to go and have a have a day out in Lancaster and actually go around and have a look around the castle, it's really interesting. It's a really good guided tour. Brilliant. Um, and they tell you into the courts and everything. So, so yeah, it's really interesting. Um, but anyway, he was tried at Lancaster, and during his trial, um, a letter was received by um, the judge from an anonymous uh, person in Bolton, of all places. Um, and he said that um, he'd been drinking at a pub in Bolton, and there was a man in this particular pub this uh, one evening, a very tall man with a beard and a hat um, and a suit, very well dressed. He was very tall, apparently. Um, and, and you know, the, the the author of the letter made a point that he was he was very tall. He was drunk, really drunk, mm -hmm. and he was saying, "I did it. I murdered Sarah Coates." Wow. Okay. So, but the next morning they found um, his body on the railway line. Dead. That's amazing. Okay. So, so the murderer actually got killed as well. Well, the alleged, mm -hmm. the alleged murderer. However, um, putting two and two together, is this Josiah? I see. So it's kind of like coming full circle, yeah. It is. Now the other thing is that Warner Street and Cannon Street, which is where the Accrington Conservative Club was, is probably uh, less than half a mile. In fact, it's probably about three, four hundred yards. Ah, um, I was going to say from... how far were they because yeah it's starting yeah. to make sense now now when I asked Diane if she'd spoken to other people in the area who'd seen um, similar you know seen a similar tall dark figure um, she said that she had she had two or three other people who said that they'd seen him in the area so it would seem that Josiah if indeed he was the murderer um was was sort of moving around the area um, of you know Warner Street, uh, St James's Church. Church is quite close by, uh, and Cannon Street. Um, and I know, you know, and I wonder whether it was him that I saw um, in in the in the Conservative Club that time because you know the the descriptions are, are very similar. The good news about Christopher Hindle was that he wasn't, uh, although he was convicted. Um, the, at that time, there was the death sentence even for, for under under 18s, but the death sentence was commuted. Um, 
and he ended up um, just just um, being put into into prison. Um, okay, but he lived. But, but he lived, mm-hmm. yeah, um, and he didn't spend all of his all his life. He was released. So. That's good. I mean, I think you know, it's, it's that kind of good news and a relief for you as well to kind of think that some other people have somehow yeah. experienced what was one of your Similar. most dominant um, paranormal experiences as well. So that means yeah. that what Diane actually went through was maybe witnessing an, an imprint. Is that what you kind of like call it when a, an event from the past is kind of like playing in a specific area? Um. That would would seem to be yeah. It is something that I believe is called storm tape theory. Right. So it's so it's almost as if there's a recording which is attached to a certain place. Yeah. So uh, an example of that actually, there's um there's an investigation that I did in uh, for the first book, and in fact the last podcast that I put out was actually uh, a re- um, a recording of the investigation that I did. Um, because I took a took a dictaphone around with me basically, and the guy that I was speaking to, who uh, took me around the school, it's just basically a recording of us, you know, walking around the school and and him telling me things that happened. There's no, That's great. We don't, yeah, we don't see any ghosts. Or we do feel things. Um, it's it's quite interesting actually. There was two or three spots in the school that you know we did definitely feel different to to other other parts of the school. And you both um, felt that at the same time, more or less? Uh, well, I did. And um, Sarah, my wife, was with me as well when we were going around, and she, she picked up on, on two or three things as well that, mm-hmm. that were quite strange. Um, she she felt, you know, certain areas of, of the building were, were felt strange compared to others. Um, but um, one of the one of the, the, the things that, that happens at school is that there's the recurring image of a woman seen who's actually seen going through the canteen area, um, and it, it's it's actually where the school's built. Um, I had a look at some of the old uh, the older maps going back to the uh, early 1900s, some of the street maps, oh, wow. because the, because the school's built on a church or, or where a church used to be and a graveyard. Okay, um, oh, brilliant. Uh, in fact, it was. Um, uh, there was quite a sort of uh, local um, uh, uprising, if you like, again, about the fact that they were knocking the church down and they, and and the graves, they, they did yeah. Egg, yeah, they did exhume quite a lot of bodies. But um, yeah, the this particular uh, woman that that they see, uh, sort of following the path of or following where the old road used to be, down to where the church and the graveyard. Uh, it, uh, was before mm-hmm. it's actually it's actually underneath the, the car park of the school now, um, and so she's been going through the canteen, following the path of the road, um, and and she's sort of like wailing and crying and screaming and wringing her hands and all. It replays time and time and time again. Oh, that's great so, when you're having your lunch, isn't it? <laughs> well, strangely enough, believe it or not, she has been seen during the day by. Uh, staff, by people working in the kitchens, by pupils, by ex-members of staff, ex-pupils, um, and it's, it's quite it, it's quite amazing, really, that you know um, the number of people that, that see this particular. Um, it, it is like a recording because there's no interaction with her at all. Mm. So it, it's like a it's like a recording, and there's a theory that if there is a sort of really powerful. Um, emotional incident that happens in a place so for instance you know 
if there's a murder, yeah. then th there's a lot of emotion which is released at that point. There's a lot of a lot of emotional energy that's released at that point, and that can somehow attach itself to a place or a building or, um, you know, a a, a it, it might even be out in the middle of a field somewhere, mm. you know, but it but it attaches itself to that space, mm. um, and it doesn't matter what what is built on it you know later on yeah um buildings can change but that recording still still stays there um yeah. and, and it's, it's almost like a loop um it's like a you know a recording that's on loop and it's just replaying and replaying and replaying it's so, the magnetic resonance maybe or, or something like that because you hear possibly. it a lot about um roman soldiers and battlefields i've heard it referred to in relation to to that yeah. kind of scenario quite a bit actually yeah there's uh, there's a very famous one in york i believe um wrong soldiers and they're actually seen um marching along but only you can see them from the waist up yeah because what they are marching on the road is is lower um you know the the original level of the of, of the road is lower than, than what's there now Mm -hmm. So they're still they're still being seen on the original road level, which is why I can see them from the west up. Wow. But um, but yeah, there's actually a Roman road um here where uh, where I live at the minute, very close to where I live. It actually goes goes very close to, to Pendle Hill actually, um because there is a a village um in between well it's down on, it, it's on the A fifty nine road, so it's actually in between Clitheroe and Preston. Right. Uh, called Rib called Ribchester, which was mm. um a Roman a Roman uh, settlement. Mm. There are Roman baths there. Uh, they've excavated Roman baths, um found an awful lot of Roman archaeology. Uh, it's right on the River Ribble. It's on a, a, a navigable part of the river, which is which is why they were there. But there is a Roman road here, and I've spoken to a couple of people who've said that you know, although nothing's been seen, there are times when you can hear um, the marching of feet and 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 the clanking of swords against wow. breastplates. You know, <laughs> How um, fascinating. So, you know, pretty spooky. That is, yeah. Yeah, so I've, I, I mean, I've, I've never heard uh, anything like that, but some, some of the locals say that, you know, from time to time, on the dark winter's night, you know, you can, you can hear the, mm. the, mar the marching of Roman soldiers, so, so yeah. As a paranormal investigator, and now that you've really got into it, are you kind of like stocking up on the gear, like um, EVP recorder and whatever else a paranormal investigator would have, or are you sticking to just like the good old dictaphone? No, I just stick to my own senses, to be quite honest right. with you. Um, I don't, uh, I don't pretend to understand things like EVP monitors or, you know, the, um, all, all this fancy equipment yeah. that, that, you, that, that you see on, you know, YouTube channels or. Uh, American ghost uh, hunter channels. Um, I think a lot of them are gizmos. I think a lot of them are the SAR. Um, I don't think they have any scientific um, benefits, let's put it that way. Um, and I tend to find that, you know, if I can see it, if I can hear it, um, sometimes you smell things, mm. sometimes you just feel things different. Um, that usually is good enough for me and if somebody um later tells me that something was on in a particular place um, and i've been in there and i felt something then you know to me that 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 is good enough for me 
Um, I don't need, you know, all these these fancy electronic pieces of equipment. <laughs> yeah. say. I, I don't think, you know, I don't know enough about them, but I also don't believe that they serve much of a scientific purpose, to be honest with you. To you keep know, things not, real and natural is best, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's not like Ghostbusters. You know, I mean, if I could, if, you know, I mean, a mobile phone, really, um, or, or, yeah, or a dictaphone, something like that. You do a lot these days. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Have you ever captured any imagery, as in orbs or funny shapes or, or anything like that? Um, no, I haven't. I mean, I've not done an awful lot of investigations. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm always, I'm always open to new investigations. You know, if somebody wants me to go, go somewhere and, and see what I think, see what I feel, see what I can pick up. Mm -hmm. um, I will do, but I'd rather not be told about the place before I go in there. Yes, yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, 99.9 .9 times out of 100, you, you go somewhere that is allegedly haunted and nothing happens. And if, if you do happen to see something, um, then you are very lucky. And if you, you happen to have your phone out and have your camera switched on, then you happen to capture it, um, then you are extremely lucky. And in fact, if you look historically, you know, even, even again, we keep harking back to these TV programs and YouTube channels, but mm -hmm. they never, they very rarely capture anything. I know. Um, yeah. You know, and in fact, um, you know, there are maybe half a dozen um, photos, historical photos. There's a very famous one of, of a figure on a staircase. Um, and, you know, they've been looked at, they've been examined, they've been forensically examined, and, and some of them, can be explained away, and some of them can't, but very few of them can't. And I think if, if you're in a situation where you see something and you have to take a photograph of it, I think you'd probably make an awful lot of money out of it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> because it's not something that happens very often. You know? No, no. Something else that I wanted to ask you, Craig, it's kind of like going back to the, the idea that when you had your first paranormal normal experience you you were there in that kind of that bar setting and stuff mm. have you got any ideas why it seems to be that it's nearly always bars and old pubs that a lot of these hauntings are occurring in because it, it is often um that kind of environment isn't it it is although not always um i mean for instance the school i mentioned um was built about 15 years ago now Right. So, so it's not actually the school. It's not the building itself. It's what was there before. Ah, um, yes. So it's it's whatever's imprinted on that space rather than that place, if you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, I mean, all, I mean, you know, if, if you've got a, a a stately home, like for instance, I'll, again, I'll mention Salisbury Hall, which is um, in between Blackburn and Preston, mm. very famous white lady. Um, one of, probably one of the most famous and probably one of the most haunted um, uh, old halls in, in the whole of the country, really. Um, you know, I mean, that was built 1300s, maybe even less than that, 1200s perhaps. Wow. Um, so you've got a lot of a lot of history that's passed through those sort of places. Um, and, and there's been a lot of um, turmoil that's pass through those places you know i mean you know you go through um you know the, the judah times for instance you know depending mm. on which king or queen was on the throne depending on whether you know you were said to be a protestant or a catholic 
Right. Um, and, and, you know, many, many people unfortunately lost their lives because of the, you know, the, the particular religious views. Mm. And it tended to be, um, you know, the, the, the landowning um, uh, gentry, you know, the people that, that had the money, had the, had the big houses, um, were the ones that, that tended to make history, if you like. Um, so, sure. for instance, you know, like Salisbury Hall, for instance, or Townley Hall in Burnley, which is another one. Um, there's priest holes, you know, so Catholic mm. priests would hide, um, they would often be found, they would be tried and executed. So, a lot of, of the energy, again, going back to this emotional energy, a lot of this emotional energy is linked to these places. And so, yeah, you're right, you know, older buildings do often have a history which, you know, can can lead to um can lead to, to paranormal activity. Sometimes um stories can be sort of local legends that have that have, have grown up over the years. Some of them have, have got definite um uh, you know truth in them. Uh, I mean I know people who've seen um the white lady of Salisbury Hall, you know, she's often seen wow. um crossing the road, the fifty nine road, which is okay. which is um quite quite a well, it was quite a busy road before they built the motorway, but it was the main sort of air road between East Lancashire and, and Preston. And it goes it dry it goes right past Salisbury Hall. And she she's often been seen actually floating across the road, people pick up in headlights. Um I know somebody who uh thought he was driving along and she suddenly appeared in front of his car he slammed his brakes on he thought he'd, he'd knocked a woman over um he stopped the car got out ran to the back of the car to see if there was anybody there and there wasn't and that story has, has been repeated time and time again Gosh. um what actually happens to that uh white uh, dressed lady does anyone know what's actually caused her to be floating around like this yeah it's it's a love story um, she fell in love with, um, she was a Protestant from the, uh, now we're going back in history now, the De Southworth family used to own Salisbury Hall. All right. And we're, we're going back to about 1300 now. Um, and she was a, uh, they were a Protestant family and she fell in love with, allegedly fell in love with uh, one of the sons from Horton Tower, which is near uh, Bolton, uh, Bolton and Blackburn, uh, and he was a Catholic. And of course, when the families found out, um, all hell broke loose, and he was murdered, mm. and she died of a broken heart, in effect. Mm. Um, and it's her ghost which is seen uh, wandering around the grounds of Salisbury Hall and inside Salisbury Hall as well, uh, Salisbury Hall as well, uh, looking for. Um, the 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 uh, the home who who uh, she fell in love with. Right, um, so it's a bit of a love story, tragic love story. Yeah, then. yeah. A, a lot of a lot of them are actually. A lot of them do tend to revolve around tragic love stories. Uh, there's a very similar one at Duncan Alsh Hall, uh, which is near to uh, Blackburn. Um, there's the ghost of um, a, a lady, a young girl who's seen again. Um, inside the, the hall and in the, the grounds. Um, she fell pregnant, so she was a servant girl, she fell pregnant to the 
um, one of the sons of, of the, uh, uh, the, you know, the, um, the lord of the, the mm. hall, um, and he didn't want anything to do with her, and he went off to fight in, I think it was the, the Napoleonic Wars or something like that, and got killed. Mm. Um, and she died of a broken heart. She actually, um, I think she actually committed suicide if I remember rightly. Uh, she drowned herself in the in in the stream close by, and so she's she, again her ghost is seen uh, floating around. You know the um, especially on Christmas Eve apparently. Gosh, so okay, again, just to add so, so, to the mystery. Yeah, again, yeah, again. So that that's a sort of local local legend. So sometimes there are elements of truth, but you know they sometimes get uh, embellished to make it sound a little bit more exciting. <laughs> mm. Yes, exactly. But I think it, it perfectly fits in with where the emotional energy that you spoke of yeah. comes in, because obviously, you know, these tragic love stories. So it makes total yeah, it sense. Yeah, it um, does. Yeah. You got into your investigations, your interest in the paranormal before lockdown. But I was just wondering, mm. since lockdown, since we've had these more quieter periods of time, we've had these more quieter roads during the past uh, 20 mm. months on and off, and people's brains have just slowed down a bit especially when we were really in the thick of of lockdown yeah. did you get more stories coming in maybe stories of things that were happening during lockdown or, or anything like that um not not during lockdown as such um but i, I did get a lot of uh, quite a few emails from from people um who wanted to uh, contact me with with the stories of things that had happened to them in the past mm. um so you know there was there's um stories of again going back to Accrington. this was um i had an email from from a guy um about a hooded figure that he'd seen on the um uh the land that, that used to be part of the the railway line Okay. Um, which which is now uh, demolished. The the tracks have, have been taken up, but it, it was the railway line that that was from Accrington to uh, Barry. Um, obviously, uh, north side of Manchester. Um, now in the in the sixties, it, it was decommissioned and the line was taken up. But he um, said that he walked part of the length part of the length of the where the the railway line used to be. Uh, to work every morning, mm. and he'd seen a hooded figure. Um, and, and when I when I asked him whether he thought it could be um, a monk's cowl that the figure was wearing, yeah, um, he said that yes, he thought it, it was. That's what it, it that's what it looked like. Now, in this particular area, um, not too far away, is um, the police station and the magistrates' court in Edmonton, which have now both been closed down but there's a lot of paranormal activity goes on there allegedly um and there are there was a group actually that was doing tours so again we're getting into the realms as well you know they're embellishing the local stories in order to right. you know, charge, charge charge people to go into the you know the police station and, and, and the magistrates courts and do tours and all that sort of thing but actually, going back further than that, again, when I was growing up, there were stories of um, figures of black monks being seen in that area because there was, going back hundreds of years, in fact, going all the way back to about the 12th century, there was actually a monastery there. Oh, okay. Um, so there's the a bit of a credibility to, to this that backs it well, up a bit then. 
quite a lot of credibility actually, yeah, because the, the monastery was burnt down um, and there were three monks died in the fire. This, this, is, this is documented. Um, and the, these three figures are often seen around. The, 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 the road is actually called Black Abbey Street, or Abbey Street and Black Abbey Street, strangely enough. Um, and it's called Black Abbey Street because obviously, you know, the, the burnt and charred remains of, of the abbey that used to be there. Um, but there, there are often uh, the figures of these uh, three monks are seen in the area. Um, and um, yeah, it, it, all, it all sort of links in with, because the area where the, this guy that, that, that emailed me, um, it's, again, you know, it's, it's less than a quarter of a mile away from uh, the site of where the, the, uh, the abbey used to be. So the whole area, and it isn't that far from Warren Street, surprisingly, so the whole area really is quite, um, there does seem to be quite a lot of paranormal activity in that area. So it's, wow. it's interesting. Yeah. That tall, hatted figure, the, the shadow man, the initial one that mm. you saw and, and that he supposedly died on, on a railway line, are you going to do any investigations around that area to kind of like see if you can find out more about him, do you think? Um, I haven't been able to establish uh, which pub it was that um, this particular guy was, uh, was in, according to the letter. Um, all, all, all I could find in the historical records was that, and, and it's all to do with the trial. It's just, um, it's you know, it's just um, uh, you know, written reports of, of what happened at the trial um, that they'd found a body on the on the railway line. So um, they, it's it's difficult if if there isn't the evidence there. It's you know, it's difficult to to sort of be able to to investigate something if, if you haven't got the evidence there, you know. I see, exactly. Well, I guess these are the joys of learning your, your craft now as a, a paranormal investigator. And we're almost out of time, but I did want to quickly touch on the fact that um, the, the area isn't just um, famous these days for the spooky, ghostly stuff. There have actually been a couple of UFO phenomenon as well, haven't there? Yeah, there's quite a lot of UFO um, activity around, especially around Pendle Hill, strangely enough. Wow. Um, the area around Pendle Hill and going up to a town called Skipton, which is just over the border in Yorkshire. Yeah. Um, and Carlton Moor, which is um, an area around Skipton. Um, but yeah, there's, there's been, there, there was um, a report recently, well, about six months ago, actually, of um, a portal opening up in the sky. Um, by wow. a guy that, that, that lived in Barn Oldswick, um, which is near to Burnley. Um, it's actually on the other side of Pendle Hill from, from where I am. Um, and the, uh, this was a pensioner and his wife um, had both seen this, um, how he described it as, as a sort of hole opening up in the sky and some sort of um, craft, as he put it, actually coming out of it. Uh, which is, you know, sounds quite, fa quite fantastical. Um, and I know a couple of local UFO investigators who've um, actually interviewed him, and I've seen the video, because uh, this happened during lockdown. So, mm. you know, sometimes you have to rely on, on sort of, you know, uh, third-party investigations, really. But, but when it's recorded, when it's video recorded in, in real time, then obviously, you know, you, 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 can, you can see and hear what, you know, what, what they are. Sure. how they are replying to, to the questions, you know, so there's no, um, there's no question of it, of it being made up or anything mm. like that. 
Um, the fact that the pensioners as well, they're not really the typical people that are kind of thinking of making something up, maybe. No, no, and he, 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 drew, he drew what he'd seen. And, and, and in fact, it's, it's something, you know, I've started um, doing some research into um, these portals as a phenomenon. And, and there are, it's, it's not just happened once or the Barnalds week, it happens quite regular in, in various different places all over the world. So, right. so, so that's, but again, I mean, you, you know, the UFO side of things is something that I've only just started really getting involved in. Mm. Um, As it's emerging, it, I suppose. But was that craft, the stereotypical spacecraft shape or? Yeah, he drew it like a, like a saucer shape. Yeah. yeah. Almost like a Christmas cake shape. Wow. Which, which, which again is something that, they either, either tend to be, yeah, they either, they either tend to be sort of like a Christmas cake shape or a triangular, mm. um, either one or the other. And, and the triangular phenomena is something that, that is seen quite a lot as well. But, um, but it makes you wonder, you know, I mean, you know, there have been quite a few times where there have been strange lights seen over Pendle Hill, for instance. Um, and, and if you think about it, if you're going back a few hundred years, I mean, Pendle Hill has been synonymous with, uh, witches and witchcraft for mm. you know 400 years now because of the Pendle Witch Trials, um, and even at the time when it happened, which was 1612, um, it it was a big thing in the area. Um, it was a big trial, and so obviously there will have been you know a lot of uh, gossip. People have been talking about it in the area, and it's something that stuck in the local local folklore and local psyche ever since. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you think about, um, let's say, you know, it's the middle of the 1800s and you're living in the area and you're seeing strange lights over Pendle, what are you going to think it is? You're not going to think it's a UFO because you don't know what a UFO is. Yes. You're, going to, you're going to think it's witches. Ah, yeah, so, that makes sense. So, yeah, yeah so, so it's interesting. I, I mean, I think this phenomenon has been going back years. And, and in fact, um, going back through some of the local newspaper archives, going back to, to you know, the turn of the last century, um, there's dozens and dozens of reports of strange lights in the sky around this area. And, you know, and over places like Winter Hill, Winter Hill near Bolton is, is an area that has a heck of a lot of UFO activity. Um, there's loads over Manchester, loads mm. over Liverpool, you know, there's loads over the East Coast, going up towards Hull, places like that. Um, so they're all over the place, but you know, locally, if you think about it, um, if this phenomenon has been going on for years, until you know, we, we until until people started talking about UFOs in inverted commas, which you know is probably only in the last twenty, thirty years. Yeah. Up, up until that point, you you wouldn't you wouldn't know what it was, and and you would probably put two and two together and think it was. You know, I think it was witchcraft. Magic, yeah, because you just yeah, wouldn't have uh, the language, the descriptive no, language. No, exactly. And, and of course, you know, witches are, are often depicted as flying around on broomsticks. Oh, yeah, that's true. You know, with, you know, with lanterns and cats hanging off the back of them. And, and, and the so triangular that's... hats as well. Maybe that was some of those yeah. triangular lightings, maybe. yeah. Yeah, maybe. Wow. So, so who knows, yeah. So, so that's, you know, when, when you start looking at, um, you know, why people believe in certain things or what's been going on over the years or how people would have um, would have viewed um, paranormal activity, for instance, or UFOs, you know, going back over the centuries. 
quite interesting, really. Mm, goes back into the social psychology and and culture yeah, of the times, really. So it you does. get a lot and out of it. Yeah, of course, and that that's how it gets. It, that's how things become legends, uh, local legends, and and you know that's how it gets into gets into the the, the local psyche. Is it still very much natural lighting there? Because obviously we're all kind of um, accustomed yeah. to so much street lighting and that. But is Pendle Hill still one of these natural lighting landscapes? It's dark. Right, oh, brilliant. <laughs> you, brilliant. Would, you wouldn't um, you wouldn't want to go for a walk up up to the top of it um, in the middle of winter when it's dark. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm glad I mean, it's there kept are... its ambiance then, and they've not really yeah. touched it that much with the with no. lights and stuff. Yeah. No, there is. I mean, there are um, a few sort of um, farms dotted around, and there is a road which uh, which goes over the not not the really sort of steep parts of it, um, but the, the sort of more because it's it, it's straight shape is Pendle Hill really. It's sort of very mm-hmm. very steep on one side, and then it, it gradually sort of levels off on the other side, and then the bit where it levels off, there is a road which goes over there. Um, from a, a, a little village called Sandon, which um, mm. which again is is quite synonymous with with witchcraft and all that sort of stuff, you know. Um, in fact, there's a really good pub there called the Pendle Witch. Oh, right, um, okay. <laughs> uh, but um, but yeah, it, it, it's it's because it's out in the middle of of nowhere basically. I mean, it's all you know, um, it's very high up. It's Pendle Hill anyway. It's almost two thousand feet above sea level. Like wow, okay. I didn't realise it was that high. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's, there's no natural, it, it's, all, it's, it's all natural light up there. So, yeah. so now, Craig, we're coming to the, to the end, but your podcast, you have done about 11 interviews now, haven't you, with, with amazing guests, local tour guides and, and all sorts. Do you want to tell our listeners how do they get your podcast? How can they listen? Yeah, well, it's available on on all good podcast networks, so iTunes, um, Google Podcasts. Basically, just just Google Paranormal Pendle Podcast, um, and it'll take you to. It's hosted on Anchor, which mm-hmm. is a, a podcast whole, uh, hosting platform, so you can listen to it on that. If you use iTunes, or if you use Castbox, or Deezer, or anything like that, um, it's on all those as well, and it's completely free. Oh, brilliant. And if anyone wants to get your book or tell you some more stories to add for your next book, how do they get in touch with you? Uh, That's my website, which is uh, craigbryant.co.uk. You can look me up on Facebook, so you just look up Shadow Man Blackrington. um, I'm on Facebook. Yeah. And um, if you you can also look me up on Twitter as well, it's the same. Uh, at Shadow Man of Accrington on Twitter. And that's dead uh, easy to remember, isn't it? <laughs> that's dead easy to remember. Uh, probably the best way to contact me really is through the website. Um, there's an email uh, icon that you can just click and just fill, a, fill an email in and it'll come straight through to me. And I will reply to everybody that emails me. Oh, brilliant. It's been great to catch up with you again, Craig. It's been just as um, interesting as the first time, if not more. And I wish you all the very best. I think you've got an exciting Halloween coming up one way or another. (laughs) Well, I'm hoping to do um, a bit of a special podcast, to be honest, uh, for Halloween. So I am going to be telling the story of the Pendle Witches. Um, I'm hoping to do, if the weather uh, allows me, um, I'm hoping to do a walk up to the top of Pendle and um, record it whilst I'm 
I'm walking up there and just sort of talk about, you know, where I am, the area and, and everything else and just do a little bit of a guided tour. So hopefully if, if the weather if the weather behaves itself. <laughs> yeah, and if it doesn't behave itself, it's probably going to be even better for you. So was that a, a trek that you often partake in then or not? Um, I've, yeah, I've done it a couple of times. There is um, a public footpath which uh, goes up the very steep side of Pendle. Makes uh, it's a little bit easier. Uh, well, yeah, it does, yeah. But, but it's, there's actually steps been built into it at certain parts because it's that steep. Right. Um, so it's... Uh, um, sort of um footpath that's been built by um or uh you know the local um park mm. uh people who, who look after it. natural england that's, that's what I'm thinking um so yes it's maintained by by them um again if, if you just go on google and just google walks around pendle um there's plenty of easier walks i mean it is quite strenuous because it is very steep um, well, there's plenty of other walks um, around the areas, plenty of little villages. There's, there's lots of circular public footpaths that you can go on. Um, and they all seem to sort of start and finish at, um, at the pub in a village called Barley, which is uh, very close to Pendle. So well, that's, that's useful. Um, that's, that's handy because you'd, you'd be just dying for a bit of a drink after yeah, all that. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? That it sort of you know, starts and finishes at a pub, you know, who did guess it? But yeah, if, if if you like walking um, and, and you're up to a bit of a strenuous walk, because like I say, it isn't, isn't the easiest walk, um, but on a clear day, if, if you can make it to the top, um, you will be rewarded with views that you will not see anywhere else. It, it, it is just utterly spectacular. Yeah. And the whole area has just got so much um, vibe to it and feeling to it. And, and you can almost feel yourself back in the... 17th century yeah. surrounded by which is your own instincts and feelings on a place that is always the, the best judge of what's going on yeah yeah it's definitely got a lot of atmosphere to it so so yeah visit if you can it's, it's lovely brilliant i will keep our listeners informed on that you said that you're doing like a little bit of a tour guide so if, if people wanted to, to pop along there at the time is that going to be something that's that's okay to do um well you, yeah you can come along and and, and walk up the side of the hill if you want i mean i, I don't do guided tours um that may be something that i'll be doing sometime in the future but actually uh, one, of the, one of the guests that i interview is uh, a guy called simon entrestle and he's uh, he's a local uh, tour guide is, top and Pat, is it top hat that top yeah. top Pat productions yeah, yeah. um he's in Clitheroe. he does ghost tours ghost walks around Clitheroe. Uh, he also does one, I believe, where you get on a minibus and you go around lots of haunted pubs in the Rubble Valley, uh, which is something I actually uh, <laughs> think I need to do. I think I need to pop on one of his buses because yeah. he is a he's a great storyteller, with Simon. So um, he'll he'll tell you um, all about the Pendle Witches as well and, and about all the local local ghost stories and you know haunted pubs and and different things like that. So so yeah, so I. Tours maybe not my thing. I think I'm better off as a as, as a sort of storyteller and a and a podcast producer. Um, I'll leave the the ghost walks I think to Simon because he's, uh, he's very 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 good at it. But that's a podcast that our listeners can actually pop along to your um, site and yep. hear right now anyway. So that's yeah, it's it's the first one. Yeah, it's the first one that I did. So. Um, 
yeah, just uh, just 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 be aware that that it was it was the first one I did, so it might be a little bit. No, I think you, you're absolutely a, a natural at, at podcasting, <laughs> and I'm, I'm glad that you've decided to expand your your book into a a podcast. Because yeah, what 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 I will say is if, if if anybody does have any stories they want to tell me and they would like to uh, to be interviewed. Um, then you know, I, I I will do podcast interviews by Zoom, um, and you know, if they want to if they want to be a guest on the podcast, then you know, I'm I'm really uh, keen to hear from them. Brilliant. We'll pass that on. So it's been a pleasure to speak to you today, Craig Bright. Wish you all the very best. And um, yeah, let us know when your book is is finally available as well. Your second book, sorry. I will. Oh, well, I really do need to sit down and write it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure. No problem. Okay, take care of yourself. Bye for Thank now. Thank you, and you. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Thanks to Ruth for organising that interview. Uh, I really enjoyed speaking to her, and I hope that you enjoyed listening to the topics that we talked about. Remember, you can check out my website, which is www.craigbryant.co.uk where you can find information about any research that I'm doing at the moment, uh, my book, and of course this podcast. Thank you for listening. Paranormal Pendle will return, and the next episode I've got is an absolute cracker. Remember to keep watching the shadows. <laughs>